You are listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Bob Carvella. I serve as one of the elders here, also serve on staff as one of the pastors. It's my joy to welcome you today and to lead us in our time of worship. Our lead pastor, Pastor Matt, is actually preaching this morning over at West Shore Free, uh, spending some time with our brothers and sisters over there, uh, and I'm happy to be here to uh, share God's Word with you. Our sermon text today is Philippians 2, 14 through 18. In the black hardcover Bibles that are around you there, uh, you can find this passage on page 981. Liberty Church seeks to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Christ for the Harrisburg region, that together we might enjoy and share the freedom of his gospel. This is the purpose statement of Liberty Church, and this same language is used in the purpose statements of the churches that comprise the Liberty Communion of Churches. As individual churches and as a communion of churches, we've locked arms around these three words, live, speak, serve. If you've been on the Liberty Harrisburg website, these three words are right at the top, the very first thing you see about our church. As you walk in the front door on a Sunday morning, you see the purpose statement with these three words, live, speak, and serve, behind our welcome desk. If you've been to a Liberty 101 or an In Covenant class, you've heard these words discussed and explained. And if you've been around long enough, you even have the t-shirt. Oftentimes, whether it's a church or really any organization, much time and effort is spent coming up with a purpose statement. In fact, I would say that some of the most agonizing meetings I've ever been a part of have been involved trying to come up with a purpose statement. How about this word? Nah, I like this word better. What about this important aspect? Nobody cares about that. It's too long. It's too short. And then finally, perhaps out of sheer exhaustion, a purpose statement is agreed upon. An email goes out announcing this wonderful new purpose statement. Posters go up throughout the building. Workshops and seminars are conducted to gain buy-in from the entire organization. And then after all of that, it's never referred to again. But as much as any church I've been a part of, or any organization I've been with, the purpose statement of Liberty Church and the Liberty Communion of Churches really does capture the reason for our existence and drives us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And this purpose statement really has driven us through 2023. We've launched a year-long or more initiative on fatherlessness and foster care, seeking to minister in this area by building care communities around foster families. And we welcomed over 100 foster kids and adopted kids and their families to the first, hopefully not last, Easter outreach block party. We've run 25 or so Bible studies that have included somewhere around 200 people uh, that have helped us go deeper in our study of 1 John through the spring and helped us to build community in our church. 
We continue to keep the lights on at New Hope Food Pantry on Thursday nights, sharing the love of Christ by welcoming guests, stocking the shelves, and bagging the groceries. We've worked hard and prayed hard, as we've heard, in helping Midtown Community Church prepare to be planted, and we rejoice that they will be planted and launched three months ahead of schedule. We continue to pray and support John and Jess Robinson as they labor to plant Liberty Tampa. We've welcomed 17 adults and eight children into covenant through this spring. And just a few short weeks ago, we baptized eight brothers and sisters into Christ. We've provided meals. We've helped people move. We've laughed together. We've cried together. We've gone hard at living, speaking, and serving in 2023. And that's just Liberty Harrisburg. Across the Liberty Communion of Churches, there are dozens of stories of people and churches living, speaking, and serving. We're excited to send a team of folks to Eswatini this July, including our own Katie Panay, the first ever missions trip by the Liberty Communion Global Missions Team. What was once an annual Easter outreach event among the Liberty Churches in Philadelphia to deliver an Easter meal to those who couldn't afford one, afford one has grown into small things, a nonprofit organization that provides meals and hope to the people of the Philadelphia area all throughout the year. And that's to say nothing of the ordinary, extraordinary ways in which you live, speak, and serve in your neighborhoods and workplaces and schools. And yet, it can become really easy to get so caught up in the busyness of it all that we forget why we do any of it. And so we're taking time here during the month of June to look at these three words, live, speak, and serve. And in doing so, to do a sort of mid-year reset, to remind ourselves that all of the busyness and all of the activity has a purpose and is grounded in our desire to bring glory to Christ and to enjoy and share the freedom of his gospel with others. Last week, Pastor Matt preached on the speak aspect, and then next week he'll be back to preach on serve. But for today, let's look at the first word, live. Follow along with me as I read Philippians 2, 14 through 18. This is the word of the Lord. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, draw us by your word and through your spirit into the very presence of your crucified and risen Son, who by his work on the cross welcomes us always and only by grace. Lord, show us more about who you are and how you want us to live. To the glory of Christ our Lord. Amen. 
As Pastor Matt mentioned last Sunday, all of the Liberty Communion of Churches are doing a three-part series at some point during the year on live, speak, and serve. And a few of the pastors within the communion have provided sermons for each of these three values that can be tailored to fit that church's unique context. Uh, This particular sermon this morning was born out of a sermon that was drafted by Pastor Jim Anger of Liberty Collingswood in Collingswood, New Jersey. We would have had Jim up here to preach uh, his sermon himself, but he has this annoying habit of trying to recruit people to move to Collingswood, so we just kind of keep him on lockdown in New Jersey. (laughs) So as we consider this morning how we are to live as the very presence of Christ, we'll do so in two parts. First, that we are to live as people who shine, and then second, that we are to live as people with joy. People who shine and people with joy. First, people who shine. As we read earlier, we're looking at Philippians 2, 14 through 18. And just to provide some context for that particular passage, earlier in the chapter, the Apostle Paul started out by giving us that famous hymn or poem of Jesus' exaltation, then his humiliation, followed by his greater exaltation. Even though he was in the form of God, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being obedient to death, even death on the cross. But then he was exalted, resurrected again, and now we look expectantly to the day when before Jesus every knee will bow on heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then Paul goes on to say that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not in our own strength, but in God's. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. And then in our passage this morning, Paul keeps moving in that same direction, uh, telling us to keep it up, keep going. And as we look at these verses, we might think to yourself, okay, Paul is saying some really good stuff here, but what does that have to do with how we are to live as the very presence of Jesus Christ in the Harrisburg region? Well, let's uh, look at the first part of this passage. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Let's start here at the end of the section, and then we'll kind of work backwards from there. What does Paul call us to do here? Hold fast. We need to stay faithful and live obediently under Jesus. There will be all sorts of opportunities throughout our life to bail, to tap out. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul outlines just some of the intense opposition and persecution he faced beyond anything we could dream of. And on top of that, by the time he wrote 2 Timothy, the very last letter that he wrote, almost everyone who had once been on Team Paul had abandoned him, and some had even abandoned the gospel itself. But Paul, writing this letter while in prison, encourages us here to hold fast. But why? Go back to verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you also shine as lights in the world. Whether for the original recipients of this letter in Philippi or for us today 
We are called to shine. Now, to be clear, this is not a New Testament concept or some invention of Paul's. He's calling the Philippians and he's calling us to be what God always intended his people to be. We see this all throughout the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 42, 6. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. And then Isaiah 49, verse 6. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And then Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And then also in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 3, we read, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Followers of the one true God have always been meant to shine like the brightness of the sky above so that many will turn to him. Our living, our obeying, our shining is a witness by which those who don't know Jesus might come to know the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus Christ. Please note, however, that as Pastor Sam Storms points out, this shining is not passive as if in the midst of the darkness, we merely stand out as being morally different from the darkness of the world. Or perhaps just trying to tiptoe our way through the darkness and the wickedness and hope that no one notices us. No, by our shining, we are to dispel or push back the darkness. Our godliness is like a beam of light that pierces the night sky and changes the atmosphere. We're not simply to be distinguishable from the world around us. We aren't here merely to provide a contrast against the background of moral darkness in the world. Rather, Christians are are to dispel the darkness of evil and ignorance that is everywhere around us. Now, to be sure, the full consummation of God's kingdom will only be realized when Christ returns. But until that day, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We can shine as lights, by the power of the Spirit, into a life here, and a life there, and a neighborhood here, and a neighborhood there, and a region, and a world, bringing freedom, and forgiveness, and hope to those ensnared in the bondage of sin, and guilt, and despair. But what does this mean in practical terms? It means that when gossip reaches our ears, we don't merely play dumb, or stay silent, but strongly insists that it can do no one any good to perpetuate rumors. It means that in a world where people are obsessed with themselves and material gain, we shine forth as those who visibly and verbally treasure Jesus Christ above everything else. It means that when lies are told, we do more than simply walk away, we tell the truth. It means that when we see betrayal, we model loyalty. And where we observe stingy self-absorption, we shine forth in generosity, in service, and sacrifice. 
It means that when racially prejudicial or sexually suggestive comments are made, we do not keep our mouths shut, but rather we respond that such comments are wrong and demeaning and dehumanizing to those who are made in the image of God. It means when someone invites us to a strip club, we don't just stop at saying no, but we explain why it cheapens and devalues women, why it's a betrayal of one's wife, and how it serves only to distort one's view of the opposite sex. It means that when the weak are oppressed, we don't close our eyes, but we come to their rescue. It means that when the disabled are mocked or taken advantage of, we run to their defense. It means that when suffering strikes, we do not yield to the ways of the world and become bitter and cynical, but instead we shine forth as those who entrust themselves to the goodness and providence of God. And we run into the suffering of others, being beacons of light and love and hope. And it means that when we sin, when we fail, as we all do daily, and our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers look to see if we respond the same way the world does, with excuses and defensiveness, we let our light shine by turning from our sin. No excuses, no defensiveness, no deflection, no finger pointing, no alibis, no self-justification. No, we fall on Christ and the unsearchable riches of his grace. In response to a crooked and twisted generation that seeks to cancel any who fail to live up to its standards, our God says to all who fail to live up to his standards, which is all of us, let the sinful forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. May God use you and me and Liberty Harrisburg and the Liberty Communion of Churches to be a beacon of light in this world of darkness, calling out to all who would listen, Come ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready waits to save you full of pity, love, and power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. Liberty Church, may we live as people who shine. Second, we're to live as people of joy. And a couple of things in this passage are very appropriate for the moment that we live in. To the beginning of the passage, once again, do all things without grumbling or disputing. On the face of it, that's a pretty innocuous statement. It's kind of something you'd expect to read in the Bible. But it's vital for a cultural moment like this, because you've probably noticed, but there's a whole lot of grumbling and disputing going on. We're all so angry. A lot of people trace it back to the pandemic At least in my opinion, it goes back further than that, Uh, certainly to the 2016 election. And in my opinion, I think it started at 9-11. That moment was really devastating for us as a nation. We had not seen an attack like that on on our home turf since Pearl Harbor. 
And while there was maybe, it seemed like there was a two to four week period when we were galvanized as a nation, it seemed like pretty shortly after that, we just started yelling at each other. And we really haven't stopped. And certainly, since the pandemic, our circle of care has shrunk while our circle of outrage has grown. The number of people for whom we'd actually show up, serve, show solidarity with, and really be there for is shrinking. But what we're angry about, what we're mad about, what and who we're ready to put on full blast on social media, that circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So what's our response? What's the remedy? What's the answer to the anger that we see all around us? Look here again at the end of uh, the passage, verses 17 and 18. If I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. What's the answer? In a word, it's joy. In fact, joy is the predominant theme of Paul's letter to the Philippians. You see it all over the place. At least 16 times in these four short chapters, Paul makes an explicit reference to joy. In fact, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it's almost as if Paul has some self-awareness that he's talking a lot about joy. He says, Find me, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Joy is what Paul is emphasizing here. Joy is what takes our testimony and changes it from just merely a recitation of the truth but it makes that truth come alive in our lives. Joy, as G.K. Chesterton put it, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. And in this cultural moment, that gigantic secret of the Christian can no longer be a secret, but needs to be unleashed. Joy needs to break forth as a new rhythm of life, as a counterpoint to the grumbling and disputing and anger that is all around us. Now, to be clear, this gigantic joy has nothing to do with the silliness that we sometimes see in churches that treats worship as entertainment and a sermon as a stand-up comedy routine. This joy, this gigantic joy, is rooted in the fear of the Lord. It's rooted in a love that trembles because the object of that love, the Lord God Almighty, is overwhelmingly and incomparably powerful and majestic and glorious. And through Jesus Christ, we tremble before the Lord, not in dread or terror, but in wonder-filled, awe-filled love. The fear of the Lord is to be so blown away by knowing and being known by God our Father through the Son and in the Spirit, by knowing that all of that power and all of that majesty and all of that glory was used by God to rescue us from the clutches of sin and death that our hearts burst forth with joy. At the same time, this joy lives in the real world. This joy is not impervious to pain. It's not inattentive to heartbreak. It doesn't laugh in the middle of life's deepest sorrows. It's not blind to broken promises, nor is it numb to the devastating consequences of sinful rebellion. But what gigantic joy does 
is give followers of Jesus a bottomless well of hope that gives us the energy and steadfastness to not grow weary and lose heart. This kind of joy enables us to face sin and sorrow and the brokenness of this world honestly. And still, at the end of the day, whatever that day held, to be able to sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's the song the world needs to hear today. Maybe joy is still a gigantic secret because we only think of doxology as the song we sing at the beginning of our worship service. Our song, the song that we sing in our day-to-day lives with our neighbors and co-workers, often sounds the same as theirs does, often sounds like the song of this world, seeking to manage our own happiness, navigating our way through life through our own astute planning and cleverness, grumbling and disputing with and against our neighbors. When the song of our lives sounds the same as the song of the world's, why would anybody listen? But doxology, the giving of glorious thanks, Joy's best expression of gratitude is the most countercultural voice that must be heard in a world filled with grumbling and disputing and complaining. What might happen today, this week, this summer, this year, this lifetime, if followers of Jesus Christ were truly grateful and said so and lived like it? How would our family gatherings, boardrooms, faculty meetings, shopping malls, hospitals, parks, highways, neighborhoods, and mission fields be transformed by gratitude lived out with joy? How would the song of the church be heard if we remembered that the kingdom's full arrival begins with a wedding reception for the ages? Would the world turn its head and begin to listen? Would the sinner, the sorrowful, the cynic, the bored to death, the sick of life, take notice of a joy so so gigantic that it couldn't fail to love them because it didn't fail to love you and me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you experiencing that fullness of joy this this morning? If so, praise God. But if not, why not? Are you looking for joy in something else? What is it? Is it acceptance? Is it money? Is it power? Is it comfort? Is it sexual addiction and pornography? Friends, none of those things can provide you with true lasting joy. Momentary happiness? Maybe. Fleeting pleasure? Perhaps. But true, life-giving, soul-sustaining joy can only be found in the all-satisfying beauty of Christ. It's that joy that animates our lives as followers of Christ. That joy sustains the soul daily in its fight against sin and temptation. That joy energizes the will of a person to make whatever sacrifices are necessary to preserve a marriage that's falling apart. That joy empowers the human heart to overcome addictive behavior today and the next day and the day after that. That joy enables a weak and broken soul to persevere when a job is lost 
or a child rebels, or a promise is shattered, or a dream dies. That joy encourages the timid and the fearful, like you and me, to engage and confront the Christless culture in which we live with the good news of Jesus Christ and the life and forgiveness of, and hope that can only be found in Him. And it's joy in the all-satisfying beauty of Christ that enables Liberty Church to live as the presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. That joy fuels our mercy and justice efforts. That joy drives our partnerships with New Hope, Peace Promise, and the Capital Area Pregnancy Center, and others. That joy compels us to plant more and more churches in this region, that we would saturate the Harrisburg region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That joy gives us a desire for reaching the nations for Him. And it is joy and the all-satisfying beauty of Christ that will bind the hearts of His people together in unity and love and mutual affection. And so, friends, bound together in the joy of the Lord, let us press ahead, as Paul says in verse 16, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. As we continue to press ahead, May we be proud, rightfully, biblically proud, to know that we have not run in vain or labored in vain. In every season, we press ahead, including this one, which is vital for this moment. We press ahead, living, speaking, and serving as the very presence of Christ in the Harrisburg region, because God calls us to it, because our world desperately needs it, and because at the end of the day, There's no other way to live. Let us pray. Lord God, may the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shine brightly in our lives, that many would be drawn out of the darkness and into the marvelous light that is Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you fill our hearts with joy, the joy of our salvation, and would that joy overflow in our lives into the lives of others, For the glory and honor of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.